Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And of course, if this is your first time listening, very welcome. And if you just recently started listening, thanks so much for choosing us. You can get in touch with us on email, thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com or we're on social at IT Women's Podcast. And we love the old school messages by email. So do get in touch and tell us about this episode or anything you'd like us to cover. We love hearing from you. Now, today we are going to be talking Irish for various reasons, from on Colleen Kuhn to Paul Meskell on the red carpet. The Irish language is having a bit of a moment. And we met two women who are at the forefront of the movement to make Gaelga great again. People are saying things like, you know, their grandparents or great grandparents moved to the States and never spoke Irish with them. So they feel the sense of loss that they really want to clutch onto. They love the music and they want to sing in Irish and learn poetry and read literature in the vernacular. Maybe they visited Ireland and they really have this understanding that to connect with the land and the people and the humour and the culture, then they, or even to show respect. A lot of people say, I think it's just respectful to speak Irish in Ireland. Yeah, and learn the language, some of them even as a thank you. I have a lot of students who've moved to Ireland and say it's my way of saying thank you for changing my life and and bringing out the best of me. But first, power sharing has returned to the North and wasn't it something at the weekend to see Sinn Féin leader Michelle O'Neill and the DUP's Emma Little-Pengeli walking down those steps to meet Rishi Sunak as First Minister and Deputy First Minister, the first time two women have occupied both roles. One of the best pieces we read, and we are a little biased on the subject, was by my co-host Cathy Sheridan. I just wanted to read a bit of it here because she did a brilliant job. She wrote, Michelle O'Neill's walk into history via Stormont's imposing staircase presented an image of ownership and intent expressed outwardly with a warm smile and a sober, beautifully tailored business suit. She could have opted for a blast of festive colour. Instead, she chose navy, signifying neutrality in a region cursed with colour-coded patriotic flags and emblems. The formidable high heels put her eye to eye with anyone tempted to look down on her. A working class nationalist woman, once shamed for having a baby at 16 in a violent society, riven by political and religious zealotry, was now its political leader. The past couple of years, not coincidentally when the DUP was public enemy number one, have seen her lead a warm and easeful greeting to King Charles during his visit to Northern Ireland after his mother's death and her unapologetic attendance at his coronation, telling the Belfast Telegraph that obviously she wanted to be there, that we live in changing times and it was the respectful thing to do, to be here for all of the people at home to whom I had said I would be a first minister for all. 
She recently broke a taboo by swapping her Sinn Féin bodyguards for PSNI officers for a party whose paramilitary wing was responsible for the deaths of 277 RUC officers and serious injuries to thousands that represents a striking move for everyone involved. If there is an afterlife, John Hume was surely observing Saturday's speeches with a wry smile. O'Neill referred to the state as both the North and Northern Ireland and said people could be British or Irish or both or neither, doing as the Belfast Agreement intended, at last knocking the sharp edges off the identity issue. Our allegiances are equally legitimate. Let's walk this two-way street and meet one another halfway, she said in words that could have been Hume's. On Saturday, O'Neill said something that bypassed the social media warriors. We can do two things at once, she said. We can have power sharing. We can make it stable. We can work together every day in terms of public services. Well, it was quite a significant moment and it was great to see it. And we wish both women the best of luck and look forward to seeing the people of Northern Ireland being served by their politicians once again. Now, my guests today are Molly Gadira and Anya Gallagher. Molly Gadira is more widely known on TikTok as Moonshore Molly or at Irish with Molly on Instagram. Born and raised in Dublin, she's an Irish teacher who's been teaching online and in top language academies for around 11 years. Her mission is to spread her love for the Irish language to as many people as possible worldwide. Anya Gallagher, otherwise known as Queen of Offbeat, is a professional stand-up comedian, storyteller, writer and comedy training facilitator. She began performing comedy in 2011. In this time, she has become a standout Irish act with her novel use of bilingual comedy. She's a leading advocate for Irish language learning and she's proud to be Ireland's only unqualified guerrilla Irish teacher. Dia Gwitok is Tofolch, you wrote Gadi on Women's Podcast or Pod Crailin Amon, as it is in Irish. And it has to be said, we haven't done a lot of Irish language on the podcast before, but we decided that the Irish language is having a bit of a moment in recent times, whether you're talking about the success of On Colleen Kuhn. Then we had Paul Meskell giving his Coupla Fuckle on the red carpet. There's a brilliant podcast called How to Gale that everyone is raving about at the moment, too. And then there's that kneecap film, that bilingual film, which won an audience award at the Sundance Film Festival just recently. And Molly and Anya, both of you are adding brilliantly to this movement, spreading your love of the Irish language. And I suppose in a way, making Irish cool again. And by cool, I mean, see you, fada L. So I thought I could ask you by just starting to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Molly, go for it. So, thanks a million for that. Yeah, so I am an Irish teacher. I am from Dublin and I've been teaching Irish online for the past 11 years or so. So I started teaching Irish, well, actually age seven to my American cousins. That was just a one-off <laughs> lesson, a pop-up Gaeltacht, if you will. But um, yeah, it really took off online a few years ago when I was teaching English online and then kind of discovered this demand worldwide for Irish so I was teaching one-to-ones, then the pandemic hit, was really busy, and then I set up Irish with Molly. So now on TikTok and Instagram, I create reels and flashcards, and I do webinars, workshops, and I have courses. So my students are all over the world in about 65 different countries and just mad about Irish. That's amazing. So you're an Irish influencer is what we're going to call you. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then Anya, what about you? You're on the comedy circuit. That's right, Roisin. I call myself Ireland's only guerrilla Irish language enthusiast. Yes. 
So that's me, Roisin. I just kind of pop up in places <laughs> and try to get people to talk a bit of Irish. It started as me kind of sticking a bit of Irish into the middle of gigs. So into just English, just normal gigs, English language gigs, normal gigs, kind of chucking in some Irish for fun because it's been a very real part of my own kind of story of learning Irish because I've learned it the hard way. People always assume I'm a fluent speaker from a Gaelic school. I just went to school the normal way like everyone did. So kind of it's been a 10-year journey for me to become quite confident with it. So I just like to share those experiences through my comedy. And now I've been yeah touring my own solo show called For the Love of Milshawn. And also I've started this <laughs> Cup of Fuckles initiative, which is where I pop up mainly cafes and things with my with words in a cup and I try to get people to take a word and have a quick chat. I love it. That's brilliant. And you only started really a few years ago as part of a New Year's resolution. Like like you say, like most of us, we learned Irish in school and a lot of us hated it. And I presume you were in the same kind of bracket. But why did you make that New Year's resolution well, to yourself? Well, I liked Irish in school, okay. I suppose. That's what makes me slightly different. But obviously the same struggles and it's very obviously very difficult to 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 how do we channel that energy even if we like it after school because we have so few opportunities. So yeah, it's about 10 years ago I made a New Year's resolution to try and speak it every day. There'd been various efforts before that and thankfully it just worked out. A bit of luck and a bit of commitment, it all went one step at a time and it worked. Yeah. And Molly, you said you gave your first Irish lesson at age seven to your cousins at a Thanksgiving dinner, but you didn't start off as an Irish language teacher. You were teaching English to begin with. So why did you swap to Irish? Yeah, so I honestly never even thought about teaching Irish. Like I loved Irish at school. I you know, did well in Irish, but I never had that grow, that love for it or that connection or even understanding. I just maybe I have a good memory. So I was just memorizing stuff like everyone else. And then I started teaching English. I have always loved English. I studied English at university, became an English teacher. I was traveling around the world. And I think that also has a link with, you know, when you leave Ireland and you can see it from a distance and you feel a bit homesick and you feel, you know, what is it to be Irish and what do I miss about Ireland? And also learning other languages and then realizing, oh, well, now my Portuguese or my Japanese is better than my Irish. This is weird. And feeling the need to reconnect. So basically, I was online on a platform called italki.com and they teach most of the languages in the world. They're really great advocates for minority languages, vulnerable languages and endangered languages. And they asked me if I would teach Irish. And I was just saying to a friend today, you know, one of the best things you can do is say yes and learn how to do it. So <laughs> with that mindset, I started teaching a lot of beginners. They were catching up on me pretty fast. I, you know, really dove deep into it and started traveling around Ireland, learning more, reading everything I could, studying and kind of developing techniques on how to learn a language inspired by how I was teaching English because the way we learned Irish at school was a completely different system. You know, not much logic to it, I'd say, and not a kind of a process whereby you build on what you know, a lot more about exposure and repetition rather than recall and actual usage. So um, it's been a really fulfilling journey and just great to be in touch with people all over the world and in Ireland too, who are really waking up to Irish and falling in love with it again. 
Yeah. And tell me about the Gale Tuck for both of you, because I went to the Gale Tuck four years in a row. I absolutely loved it down in Cork. It was a place called Skullnanog in Glanmire. And it was more just for the, I just loved the people and I loved the crack and, and almost by osmosis then picked up Irish, which I, I would love if I still had it. But anyway, I remember at the time just it happening in a very natural, organic way. But some Irish colleges, Gale Tucks can be quite strict. Was that your experience? Yeah, <laughs> mine was way too strict. I got kicked out. Um, my first year and I'm in Galway at the moment. I'm quite close to there. So I think I might have to revisit just to kind of as some What was trauma the name therapy. of the one that you got? It was Kalashta Kamas. Kamas, okay. It was the strictest Kalashta in the country. And I think and that was like... what did you do to get kicked out? I said eight words in English. I said, are you mixing that green paint for me? And I think if memory serves me right. I actually said it after maybe saying it in Irish because I thought the listener didn't understand. That would have been the teacher in me, you know? And they kicked me out. I was on the train back to Dublin. And now, I'm, I don't want to make too much of this, but I, I have a friend as well who that happened to. And again, it was down in Dingle or something. He was very far away from home and he had that experience of being driven in silence to the train station and the traumatising feeling that, you know, his parents were going to be devastated with him. In fact, he managed to get on the phone to his dad who said, don't worry, we're, we love you, come back. But it's a bit weird, isn't it, to do that to a kid? Definitely. You should have gone to Colosh de Columba. That's where I went. And I only spoke English and I <laughs> enjoyed so the full funny three weeks. Yeah. Because my um, kids are going there this year. So I'm glad to hear that. Oh, OK, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but back to you, little Molly on the on the train. How, were you traumatised by that? I was absolutely traumatised. I'm still not over it. I'm quite bitter, as you can tell. But <laughs> my parents... You can still remember those words. <laughs> yeah. It's really telling. <laughs> my parents were not that understanding. I had my phone confiscated. <gasps> Um, my oh mom, my God. Yeah, she was on the platform in Houston Station, just, you know, shaking her head, tut-tutting. But the worst bit was two other lads were 13, like me. They had been caught drinking on the beach, like an actual crime, you know. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe we have the same punishment. And there was a coon tour on the train, Aaron Mialakawalia on the way Sorry, home. a coon tour. That sounds like very... Like yeah, <laughs> a, a helper, if you will. And he was like, okay. now, now... Come on now, you know, biggie glower to squelge. And I was like, we're being sent home. You can't yeah, what's tell the me. point now? Too late. Yeah. I'm not speaking Irish now. <laughs> but I think maybe my stubbornness made me go back. Like I told my parents, I gave my case. They said, well, that isn't fair at all at all. Let's get on to them. And the college were like, yeah, you know, OK, I suppose you're right. We should have given you a warning. And they invited me back. And I went back every year, got Preve Kinnera at the end. And... Really That's loved like it. the swattiest head girl type yeah. of Kinner, is it? Yeah. I'm getting the picture here. I can't believe you went back. I know. I'm surprised at myself as well, but I'm glad I did. I think it really worked. And you, like, you, and you went back every year and you didn't speak any English ever again, obviously. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> but, but Owen, you're going back to your Gale Talk experience, a, a much more sort of uh, free experience where they didn't mind you. And did you speak any Irish at all? Just think if anyone's listening, that's not a fair representation of Colossus the Coloma, <laughs> I'm sure. But I somehow got away with it. I don't know. I um. I don't think I really understood the concept of the Gaeilte when I went. Like I went, I was fourteen. It's not that I wasn't interested in Irish. I just, yeah, it wasn't the right time for me. My real interest with Irish came later, as a young adult, I would say. Yeah, yeah. 
And it was, so what came first, comedy or Irish? Did you start comedy, comedy in English? Comedy, yeah. yeah and how did you get into that? I'm always fascinated how somebody decides to stand up in front of a room and try and make people laugh. I cannot think of anything more terrifying. I'm the youngest child of six. And I think okay. it's when you've never been listened to in your life. You really <laughs> have to find creative ways to do that. And, uh, but uh, obviously it's the biggest fear. Public speaking is the biggest fear people have death is the second biggest fear. So it is genuine. It's either in you or it's not in you. I think that's my only explanation. You know, you, you either really want to do it or it's the worst idea you could ever imagine. So And then I, I how, did, how did Irish come into it? Because I imagine well, like the English is hard enough. Well, that was interesting. On that year that I made the New Year's resolution, so six months in, I'd had a few friends that I was practicing with and I was like, oh, I'm getting pretty good. And um, my other friend saw a... Uh, a, f- a fogra, a notice from TG Cahar, Dunt Comortas and Gwailgor is Granvera. So it was a reality TV show, The Funniest Irish Speaker. And I was like, oh man, my Irish has been like, I'm really good now. I better enter. And I mean, like, I managed to get in. I got in. Well, my Irish was not good enough. <laughs> it was not. But it was such a fun experience. And actually, really the first time I ever had a chance to immerse myself properly in Irish. So that whole, maybe it was like a two-month period from start to end while I was involved in that show. Really got to learn loads of Irish because it, it was only fluent speakers that were there. And learned that actually my kind of broken more simple, accessible Irish, like I could really have fun with that and have fun with the idea of making mistakes. And it was one day when a crew member came up to me and said, oh, they kind of whispered to me, I like you the best because I can understand what you're saying. And um, that's when I kind of realised, oh, this is a fun topic. Like, it's kind of, yeah. Do you find that? Because I think a lot of us give up or stop because we think we're not good enough. We can't, we keep having to throw English words in with the sentences and then therefore I might as well just forget it totally. But what you're saying is that mixing it up and allowing yourself to make mistakes is, is part of the thing and it shouldn't, whereas in school, that wouldn't have been something we would have been encouraged to, to do or in the Gale Doctor, in fact, like you said. No, I think so. And I mean, I suppose I always, this is my anecdote and my personal theory, but as English speakers, we're quite spoiled because we can travel the world and speak English wherever we want. Whereas other people who have to learn English as a second language experience what it's like to just have to function. Like you just have to figure out a way to function in your second language. And I think with Irish, because it's it's a minority language, it's not like it's always kind of set up contexts where we're trying to speak it and learn it. And we think, we expect ourselves it has to be perfect. It has to be exactly like our English is. And no, actually your first three years, all you're going to be able to talk about is how many brothers and sisters you have. And you're going to feel like a dope. Like, yeah, that's just it. You um, know? Molly, you're nodding there, Moonshore Molly. Uh, you would agree with that? Yeah, I think having realistic expectations and kind of just having fun with it, you know, being kind to yourself and going, you know, it's not going to just be a fluid conversation, but that's absolutely fine. And you can throw in a few English words, a few French, you know, other languages come back to people when they're learning Irish as well. They start remembering all the <laughs> Russian they ever learned or whatever. But um, yeah, I agree completely. I think a lot of the feeling around the language can be about shame and judgment. And there's so many interesting people now online talking about decolonizing the Gaelic mind and intergenerational trauma. 
and the kind of healing power of learning your ancestral tongue. And Irish really has that for people. They feel it's their soul language. I was at a Kirkle Cora the other night and a girl turns around and she was blind and she could overhear her us. And she said, I'm learning Irish on Duolingo. And she was Portuguese and just so in love with the language and saying it's in my heart. Like I just feel so connected, so aligned when I hear it and so alive. And it's really the way for a lot of people. I find that fascinating because whatever about Irish people feeling like this ancestral link to something and this intergenerational link, I'm I'm fascinated that people from other countries would want to be bothered learning Irish. (laughs) Why do they want to learn? What do they tell you? Well, there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of motivations. I ask them at the beginning of my courses, you know, write down your top three motivations. And then it's like, this is three hours of reading for me every day. (laughs) But I do love it. Um, People are saying things like, you know, they're grandparents or great-grandparents moved to the States and never spoke Irish with them. So they feel the sense of loss that they really want to clutch onto. They love the music and they want to sing in Irish and uh, learn poetry and read literature in the vernacular. Maybe they visited Ireland and they really have this understanding that to connect with the land and the people and the humour and the culture, then they, or even to show respect. A lot of people say, I think it's just respectful to speak Irish in Ireland And yeah, and learn the language, some of them even as a thank you. I have a lot of students who've moved to Ireland and say it's my way of saying thank you for changing my life and and bringing out the best of me. So really beautiful motivations, to be honest. A lot of people learning because their grandchildren have Irish ancestry. You know, they might be from somewhere else, but their daughter or son married an Irish person or has kids with an Irish person. So, so many different reasons. It would really inspire it's, you, yeah. Yeah, it's really lovely. And Anya, you went to Edinburgh with your show. I'm just wondering how that went down, like bringing a bilingual Irish-English show to Scotland. Yeah. You're a bit mad to do that, I will have to I'm say. I'm a bit I mad. Think. No, I am. <laughs> you know, when you think, I mean, it's just, you you do things and then afterwards it takes you, you're like, what? That was a crazy idea. But I have to say, it went really well, honestly. I mean, I think... You're getting an international audience in Edinburgh. So, and I mean, there are a lot of Irish people coming, but well, I was really not advertising the fact that that was a bilingual show. That was real gorilla. Like I was, <laughs> um, re- like it was the whole joke that as soon as I got them in, I was like, ha ha, you're here for an hour. <laughs> you're going to listen. You're going to learn a bit of Irish. Um, but people would then be like, cool. Yeah, great. We're on board because I don't know. I think Irish audiences, I meet the most resistance with Irish audiences, I think, compared to. Why do you, you think know, that is? Well, I think Molly touched on it. You know, the the shame, the the kind of embarrassment, the fear, the it's, you know, I mean, honestly, if I had a penny for every time people are like, oh, I can't speak a word. And I mean, you said it as well, Roisin, that you don't remember in inverted yeah, commas yeah. any Irish. I'm sure you have uh, loads of the coin just, just a piece of chat away yeah yeah just need to kind of unlock it but we're just so it's shame and it's so complicated very complex history yeah. obviously and so. not put to put you under pressure there only but can you tell us the kind of um some of your bits that you do like what kind of things do you bring to the audience in terms of um the set do you mean like a joke yeah Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally uh, asking a comedian to tell me uh, a joke that's how I, um, low I've sunk do you know Pauline McGlynn came up uh, to me at, so Pauline <laughs> McGlynn saw a show of mine 
uh, once. Mrs. Doyle. Came, Mrs. Doyle. And she came up to me afterwards <laughs> and she was lovely. And she She's was very so complimentary. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And we had a lovely chat and I was very cool in my encounter. But then she left and then in my head I was like, oh, but I remember a joke that I should tell her. So uh, I went back up to her. And I interrupted her. Oh, I love this. This is something I would do. I love this. <laughs> no, it's awful. Is this called tearing uh, the arse out of it? Like not just oh, leaving it be. This is this is a um <laughs> this is my true inner child just acting before I could think. And um I I said, uh, I forgot to say to you, Kane for Nachte and Mrs. Doyle Gideon Noeltoch. So right. why does, didn't Mrs. Doyle go to the Gale Tucks? Yeah, because of the ban on tea. Oh, oh brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> on a yous. Poshie, yeah. go home. Yeah. Oh. But, no, it's blue. It's a good joke, right? But it did. Yeah, I love. But you'd interrupted her, and the moment was over. The moment was over. And inserted yourself in it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But but I appreciate it. So thanks. Yeah, well done. But yeah, but generally, you know, I'm. um, (laughs) I I try to disarm my audience, you know, by just being fun and dry and quirky, and I'm the one who's not perfect. Like I set that up very much from the start. So it's like, don't be scared. Uh, if you don't know, I don't know. I try and find someone in the audience who's fluent and kind of uh, <laughs> say, we're, uh, you know, we're all terrified of that person, but also we're going to be coming back to ask them all the questions throughout the whole show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Talking about, I mentioned them at the top there, Paul Meskel, you know, the kneecap film, lots of things. And Colleen Kuhn, everyone just embraced that so much. And what a wonderful thing to see on the world stage in Irish language film. Do you feel there's a moment happening and, and or has it been happening for a while or where is it going to go? Where is it going to land? Or is it is it just a trendy thing and it will be out of fashion again? It's a great question. I think the Irish language has had a few waves, you know, Certain TV shows have made it big and then you'd have different things happening. But I think since all the acts you've mentioned and people, there is a new wave that is more powerful and actually is not just looking at Irish as a symbol of identity, but as an act. So like with Anya, like, you know, no one has come along before you, Anya. Like, it's incredible, you know, and I notice on TV, radio, um, advertising in Ireland, there's way more Irish, way more than ever. And I know Gary Bannister, who wrote this great thesaurus published recently, said he has a dream of Ireland being bilingual by 2050. And it sounds a bit crazy, but at the same time, it's like you have to believe in that to make it possible. And anyone who works in the sphere has to say, yep, it's happening. So I think you can see these moments 
for a lot of different factors. I think the pandemic made people say, what's important to me? The hipster movement made people go back to the old ways and craft and, you know, quirky things, seeking authentic connection and community. And also maybe Ireland being a relatively new republic, kind of standing on its feet a bit more and saying, who are we? Like, what does Ireland want? And not that it's anti anything. It's actually just pro learning. It's more knowledge. It's more connection with the land, with ourselves. It's all benefits. You know, Mm. you see great benefits in psychology, like the way the language teaches us that feelings are on us. They're not embodying us. So it's transient. You know, we're able to open our minds that way. And psychologists around the world are looking at how the Irish language does this, distancing us from our feelings. And things like... There's a hunger on me, isn't it? There's hunger on me. And other languages don't really do that. And I was thinking also, Irish is one of only 9% of all the world's languages that starts with the verb. And I think this is what makes us storytellers, you know, getting in there with the action, like the first word. And we do it in English, you know, says she to me, says I to her. And we're basically speaking Irish using English words. So people have a lot of Irish, you know, that they don't know is there. It's just dormant. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff we say in English is direct translation from the Irish. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Things you'd never hear in other dialects of English. And let's go back to school for a bit, because a much maligned woman in the the Irish language canon is Peg, as we know. Um, Someone that I personally couldn't stand at school and absolutely hated her to bits, which I feel is unfair now, looking back and thinking, Jesus, you know, what harm did she do to anyone? She was just an amazing woman who had loads of kids and... We, we kind of she was the symbol of why we kind of hated the Irish language. Uh, she had a bit of a renaissance because uh, the Museum of Literature in Ireland on Stephen's Green did a whole exhibition about her and kind of trying to bring her back into the fold. But do you look at the way Irish is being taught now? Do you think it's different or do you think there's still some change that needs to happen in how we're maybe bringing the language into schools and maybe not making it as alive for people as it could be and making people passionate about it? I think it's changing for the better you know, with more emphasis on oral Irish. Um, But still, I think it needs to, I suppose, be taught in a way that the teacher is like the language parent, that there's no shame, no judgment in the classroom, a huge paradigm shift, a mindset shift, everyone realising totally fine to make mistakes. Um, I don't agree with the thing, you know, if you fail Irish, you fail your leaving cert or you get an exemption if you arrive in Ireland after a certain age. Like Irish should be available to all, accessible, should be made more playful, relevant, so people can talk about things and not just in school. We see with other languages that have grown, you know, and kind of grown out of being so endangered, like Welsh and Maori and Basque. It's about the community and the home and hearing it on the street and in public life. In schools, it can only go so far and people associate it then with exams. They're not associating it with pride, joy, family, love, like my students are, a lot of them who are learning it out of passion and out of longing. So I think just completely changing it would be for the best, just getting rid of, you know, any pressure associated with the language, any stress, making people feel, oh, you're in sixth class now, you should know you're Amshachacha. You know, it's like, let's break it down. I think you need to like completely break it apart because Irish people don't know what the words mean. They might know how to say this and that, but they actually don't know the prepositions, the particles. And they're the fun bit and the bit that really brings the language to life. Like, and I'm always learning a bit like Anya, I like to say, you know, 
the teacher doesn't know everything. And that's what makes it so exciting and so curious. Like the other day, someone asked me, oh, wow. So instead of saying I speak Irish, you'd say I have Irish. Yeah. So mm. So is Irish at me? And then he said, and, and what about like, I, would you say I know Irish? And I'm like, wow, there's no real verb for to know. <gasps> yeah. Like knowledge is at me. You know, something I know, but I'm just kind of rediscovering um, all the time. And then take him is like, I understand. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So which created. Um, I'm just thinking it? that listening to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you and thinking about when my kids came back from Irish college um, in the summer. When they went there, oh, my God, the way they spoke about Irish was horrendous. I was ashamed going, that's so mean to the language. Like, I felt really bad, you know. They just had no love. They came back going like, oh, my yeah. And then they kept going, oh, mom, sorry. I just That was Irish. I just keep, I can't help speaking it now. It was so funny that the switch that was hitting them when they realised it was a living thing, when it was a real life thing that people spoke in their normal everyday lives. It was a huge um, revelation. And I think it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just about taking that leap, like, you know, from knowing it's important and having that respect and then using it because Lauer Iogas Marhishi, you know, speak her and she will live. That's what language preservation is all about. And you don't need to be fluent. You don't need to have a full conversation. You can just throw in like, you know, how are you? I think and to get rid of all that. Oh, you said it wrong. This is how we say it here. Just be open and encouraging of each other. Yeah. Well, Shockton Nagelga is coming up uh, soon on the 1st of March to the 17th of March. My favourite thing about Shockton Nagelga is that it's a fortnight, not a week. Even though it's supposed to be Irish week, it's actually two weeks, which I just think is so Irish. Um, does that make a busy time for you, Anya, then? Will you get loads of gigs? Are you kind of going to be everywhere during that time? Yeah, it's uh, my calendar is filling up, which is very nice. I'm doing a solo show, which I should plug in Smock Alley on the 16th, which uh, will be good fun. And then, um, yeah, I've I've got a good a good few gigs going on and I'm planning uh, quite a big guerrilla campaign for that period as okay. well. Okay, so, so that's a bit mm, top secret, is it? Mm, well, I suppose if it's going to be truly guerrilla, I shouldn't say too much, should I? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it'll be fun just popping up. I just, just kind of get out with my cup of fuckles. I get people chatting a bit of Irish and I just just real dorky stuff. Like I, I make these, I make work, I put pictures together and they make words and try and get people to guess the words and things like that. So but you could no, be popping up anywhere where we could, could just be. be. So yeah. watch out. But yeah, I've got a, a few things kind of going to be popping up in the odd library and doing a few school things as well as gigs, you know, just kind of standard mm. gigs. Uh, and so what about you, Molly? Would that be a busy time? Yeah, it will. I'll have a launch of my courses. So I've just made a new course called Daily Conversations and it has over 25 scenarios and situations because people are like, you know, oh, I've learned the stuff. But how do I put that into context? Like, you know, even in our own native language or our first language, we might think oh, I have to call the restaurant now and make a reservation. And you kind of <laughs> like think first, what do I say? You know, so these are these situations, but Asquailga. So um, it was really fun to make and I've recorded loads of conversations on it. So that'll be um, out again launching and yeah other than that doing a few workshops with introduction to Irish or basic phrases pronunciation 
Yeah. Brilliant. I, I should say that we had a piece in the Irish Times this week which showed that learning and using a second language can delay the onset of Alzheimer's by four years. So there's really actual psychological benefits like you, you, you mentioned as well. It's not just an empty thing and whether that's Irish or it's French or whatever it is, but it keeps the brain active. Exactly. The results are amazing, you know, for delaying Alzheimer's, dementia, improving your concentration and academic performance in all areas. So people have this idea that if you're learning Irish, you're in some way detracting from your other studies, but actually you're just boosting your memory, your self-esteem, concentration. There are so many benefits to learning Irish. And I think it's kind of a collective leap people need to make. And I think to just be, yeah, supportive in a way and to see people like Anya doing what you do. It's so beautiful and so inspiring. I think it's great and really making a difference. And speaking of inspiring, if people are listening to this, which I'm sure they are because you've both been delightful and are inspired and are thinking, Jod, you know what? I'd like to get back into the old Irish. Where would you advise them to start? Obviously, you're on TikTok, Molly, and you've got gigs coming up. But what else can people do to kind of reimmerse themselves in something they might feel they've lost? So there's loads of podcasts on Spotify. If you look up, for example, you mentioned How to Gale. There's Splunk and Bioeregan and Nose and a few others. So actually, once you find one, you'll kind of see a list of all the others. There's um, Kula Kahar, like TG Kahar is just amazing. And there's new shows uh, with Father Dougal, you know, and he's, Ardlo Hanlon is doing The Island of Wonder, Inish Nanunthas, August. Yeah, just, I think a lot more accessible as well, you know, introducing more subtitles and maybe a slower pace of Irish and Irish that is really capturing hearts and minds. But other than that, yeah, on YouTube, there's lots of resources there, people teaching um, introductory classes and online you'll find loads of stuff on my page I have lots of flashcards and reels and things like that brilliant and what about you Anya any other suggestions I suppose it was just my own personal experience of trying to learn and I always went to you know Kirkle Coros and things like that they tell us about Kirkle Coros because I've never heard of that a conversation circle right so a circle conversation Kirkle Coros it's just people meeting up and having a chat in Irish, which, I mean, obviously they're great and a great opportunity. Now, I always found them tricky because it's a group of strangers coming together. So it's kind of hard for the conversation to flow anyway. And then the people who are better at Irish tend to speak more naturally. And then so you can end up feeling like you're not making any progress, even though you are making progress, even if you're not saying anything. But then the the best thing I ever did was I, I joined a Gaelic, an Irish speaking Gaelic football team. So there is there is a team in the Phoenix Park that's open for adults. They played, they're called Nagoyaloga. I mean, obviously that's a bigger commitment and maybe people aren't sporty. But I really think there's things now happening that like ho- a hobby through Irish, I think, is brilliant because it takes the focus away from Irish. You know, you can actually focus, you can do the hobby or the activity and then the Irish is a nice um, extra thing that's happening. And there's a whole context because if you, you know, at the football, I never really, I didn't understand the words, but I could get the, oh, okay, we're to run up and down the pitch now or we're to, you know, we're to do these (laughs) different things. So yeah, if you read, you know, and I do think it, it, it does just take a bit of perseverance and um, 
commitment but yeah, it's and, possible. and not to say yeah. that it's all women uh doing all this naman and everything but this is the women's podcast so do you feel like there's a lot of women in this resurgence and in this movement to get irish back on people's agenda again i think so yeah but, <laughs> I, I think the there's right yeah <laughs> i mean, yeah i was thinking how you know changa meaning language is a feminine word era is ireland also feminine Gaelga is irish feminine and yet when you think of like the masculine influence over the Irish language, like the Christian Brothers and even Porrick Pierce and uh, Mancon McGann and people who've done amazing things for the language, but very masculine energy in there. And also the way it's been taught very functionalized without actually teaching functional language. And I think online you see a lot of yoga, healing workshops and people going deep into poetry and singing and weaving. And like Anya says, great hobbies like hiking is really good to see and and brings a great kind of more calming atmosphere to learning Irish, which Mm. is what we really need. And you mentioned Mancon there, and he is a real legend of Irish. And his book, Fuckle Naman, that he put together with all those amazing female Irish artists for all those rude words for our bodies, which which had never come to light, which it was incredible. Um, And also his hedge schools that he runs as well where people can go and learn. And there's people from all over the world go on to them. So it really is vibrant. It's a rich scene at the moment. It is, yeah. It's very much alive. Yeah, I think there's loads of really exciting things happening. Well, that's a great way to end it. And if anyone wants to find out more, there's gaylin.ie or the website for Shock to Nagelga is snag.ie, which is a great, easy thing to remember. And you two have just been fantastic. And uh, we'll keep an eye out for your guerrilla uh, activity on you, definitely. And... Irish with Molly, Winter Molly is on TikTok playing a blinder. And uh, I just have to say, to both of you um, for just being brilliant and reminding us all of what, uh, like I said, what a rich space it is and how I think you, you really touched me about that ancestral sort of that it's, it's the language of our soul, that it's really in us. And we just have to maybe light that spark again to get it back. So thank Shilling. you both very much. Shin, shin. That was Anya Gallagher and Molly Gadira there. And if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe as it really makes a big difference to us. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan and by me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Talk to us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. That's it for me. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.